Paul Batting, the prophet, Haggai. Y'all did good on the not clapping. Uh, it's hard, it's hard. All right, so um, have you ever been in these situations where you just just fundamentally necessarily disagree with somebody, right? I mean, this probably never happened to you. Y'all are probably more accommodating than I am. Uh, but no, growing up, um, I have th- three brothers. So growing up, inevitably there were disagreements on how to do things. Um, and what would happen is we would get these things called Lego sets. Have y'all ever gotten a Lego set before? Yeah, yeah, and some nodding, yes, all right. All right, so there's two ways to go about building a Lego set. There's the right way, you know, and then there's the chaotic wrong way. Uh, so one way, the right way, is to open it and you get the rule book. Uh, and you look at it and you study it. You think to yourself, I'm about to accomplish great things. Uh, The other way is to get it and rip open all the packages and put them in one giant pile together. Uh, And then you're like, why? Like they packaged it separately to help us. I mean, I guess if we wanna make it harder, that's fine. And then the really wrong way is to open those packages and dump it in the drawer with all the other Legos, all right? And I'm just saying all of these things have happened over the course of my life. And now that I have a family of my own, you know, you would think structure, order, you know? This is our Lego set at home, and it's already begun. Clara's four. Look at this, you know? There's some Gabby Clubhouse stuff in here. You know, there's a cupcake. I don't know. We built it one time, you know? And now, forever and all of eternity, they make Lego glue, and I think that's going to be strategy is I'm just going to glue these pieces together, okay? And then they will be fixed and right for all time. Um, but no, so there's just, you know, there's, there's this chaos to it. Like you have a plan, you set out to do something, you think to yourself, we're going to build this and then we'll deconstruct it and put it back into individual bags, you know? My brothers did not like that. Uh, they, they refused um, after the first time I conned them into it and then never again. You know, like you get to do this and then you put them together and then it, this goes in this pile. And the, the problem is, right, you go back to rebuild it and inevitably uh, you get, you know, most of the pieces together and then you're missing one, right? You can't find the right one to fit it together. And, and by right one, I mean the one that goes with its color scheme. Yes, you can find me another two by two, but that's blue and I'm looking for red, okay? Uh, and it's gonna be a sore spot on our beautiful creation. Um, and if we wanna live this way, we can live this way, but I'm just, I try to tell them there's a different way to live, okay? Uh, there's just a different way to live. And the reality is this happens in our lives, right? That we have a plan, we think to ourselves, this is what the day's gonna look like, this is what the week's gonna look like, this is what the month's gonna look like, this is what our year's gonna look like, Um, and we have it laid out perhaps, or at least we have a a glimpse of what we think it's gonna be. Kids, does this happen to you too, where you you think to yourself, okay, this is what tomorrow's gonna be, right? When I go to school, this is what I'm gonna do, and this is what lunch is gonna look like, and then you get to lunch, and mom did not pack the right thing, you know? And then it ruins your day, and it's her fault 
Look, moms, Mother's Day is, is coming up, okay? I'll tell y'all how great you are in another month or so. But today, just bear with me. I'm trying to engage the kids this morning. Uh, right, no, but the things go wrong. It's not mom's fault. Let's be real clear. It's not mom's fault. Uh, but things go wrong, and like we are left with this question of like, okay, like it didn't happen, right? Or you wanted to go to a friend's birthday party, and then someone gets sick in the family, and you don't get to go, right? Or you think to yourself like, oh, tomorrow I'm going to get to ride bikes, and then the rain comes in, um, and you don't get to ride your bike because of the rain, and our our plans get disrupted, um, our, our our order, this the way in which we think it should be, the way we think it should look like, oftentimes doesn't manifest itself. It doesn't show up in the way that we think it should, right? And this is true, I'm sorry to say, for the rest of your life, um, that this is just a, a phenomenon that happens in this world that we live in, that too often our lives really look like this, um, with just all these pieces thrown together, and we think to ourselves, okay, how do I build something out of this? How do I take this, these resources that are available to me and start to construct something? And it relies on our creativity, our ingenuity, but it also is going to rely on the presence of God in our lives. And this is exactly what happens um, in the book of Haggai, uh, is that they are going to find themselves um, with just a kind of a jumbled mess. Um, and it's their task to kind of bring structure to it, to bring order to it. And some problems arise, problems that we are so, 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 so familiar with. Before we get there, I wanna kinda of give a broader context. My hope for this sermon series, as we walk through it, is uh, yes, to, to look at each of these individual books and ask this question, okay, what does it have to say for us today? What is this ancient prophet who spoke this prophetic word, and what do these words have for us in this modern day and time? Um, but before we kinda get there, the, the second part that I'm hopeful for is to bring a little more structure and a, more, a little more order uh, to this kind of back end of the Old Testament, right? I'll be real honest with you. I went to seminary for three years for my master's. Uh, and Haggai is right here on page 1,138. I looked in the table of contents this morning, okay? Because it is very hard to find, all right? I know it's before Matthew, all right? It's before the Gospel of Matthew, which is the beginning of the New Testament. So I knew it's in the Old Testament, and I know that it's after, you know, Joel and stuff. But I'll tell you, it's two chapters. So if you, if you, if you flip over it, it is real easy to miss, you know? Like that there's 12 of these guys, uh, that they're kind of short, that they're in the back end, that they kind of like, really kind of like, where do they show up in our timeline? What is it is? So I'm just saying, over the next six weeks, if you find yourself getting frustrated and finding the book, if you wanna go to the table of contents, that's okay. Some of you are thinking, Alex, I know, this is why I use my smartphone, you know, because you can find it so quickly. And I'm like, hey, I get it, I get it. Uh, so this is uh, the book of Haggai. And so what I wanna do, um, and my other hope is like, I wanna look at the individual books, but my hope as we look at kind of six of these 12 uh, minor prophets, my hope is that we can kind of anchor them um, in the larger biblical story. Uh, and so I wanna walk through three really big dates that I wanna orient ourselves around over the next six weeks. So we'll keep going back to kind of these three primary dates um, that we're gonna be kind of asking the question of like, okay, which one are we closest to? You know, which one um, it has happened most recently? And that will help us kind of position ourselves 
to what's going on with God's people at this time in recorded history. Uh, so the first big date um, is going to be the divided kingdom. And so what I mean by that is in 931, um, the United Kingdom, the kingdom that uh, David was able to kind of bring under his reign and rule that then Solomon reigns over, um, splits north and south in 931, all right? And so the divinic line is gonna continue to rule over the southern kingdom, and then the northern kingdom is gonna be ruled over by a new king and kind of the, the, his descendants for the next couple hundred years. Uh, and so this is a, 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 a long time period, about, uh, what, 200-something years that they're gonna be divided north and south. And some of these prophets that we're gonna look at um, are going to be specifically speaking to maybe one of the two kingdoms, right? Maybe more predominantly to the northern kingdom or more predominantly to the southern kingdom. Uh, more, maybe it's a message for both, but they're spending a lot of their times in one space. Uh, so this is the first kind of big date I want us to hold on to is, is the divided kingdom, north and south. This is happening around 931 BC. The second one, is after the fall um, of the north. And so in 722, uh, the Assyrian Empire has risen into power uh, that these prophets are speaking to the north. They're calling them to repent. They're saying destruction is going to be the consequence of the direction that you are headed. They don't listen. And inevitably, the Assyrian Empire is gonna be the empire that conquers them. And so the northern kingdom is taken away and dispersed across the Assyrian Empire. We'll go more into this um, when we talk about some of the other prophets. Spoiler, Haggai's not during the fall of the north. Um, but this is kind of what's happening, right? We'll talk about it like right before, or like right after um, kind of the fall of the north. And so these are the first two big dates. The third one is going to be um, post-exile. So in 538, um, uh, um, the Babylonian Empire is conquered by Persia, and the Persian king offers this edict and allows everyone that was in exile to return back to their kind of native country. And so what happened, and this is the bonus date that we're not gonna spend a lot of time on in this series, but the bonus date is the destruction of the temple is in 587. Uh, and so in 587, the Babylonian empire comes in, conquers now what's left of the southern kingdom, right? So the divided kingdom, north and south, the north falls in 722, and then the southern kingdom's gonna fall in 587. Um, and it's in 587 that they're conquered. These people are taken into exile into Babylon. It's a remnant of a remnant of those that are left. And then in 538, they get to come back. Um, and so this is kind of the three big dates that I wanna orient ourselves around, that I'm hopeful by the end of this, what you will know about the prophets is kind of the major theme um, that we're dealing with in the book, which we're gonna look at on each Sunday, but then specifically kind of where it is that they're oriented around these three major dates, okay? So the divided kingdom, um, after the fall of the north, and then post-exile are the ones that we really wanna focus around. The one that we're gonna look at today, Haggai, is we're gonna kind of start at the end, um, and then throughout the series, we're kind of gonna go back to the beginning of our work our way back, is gonna be post-exile. Um, and so again, what post-exile is, the themes that we're exploring in post-exile is that um, Israel um, is now returned back to their homeland. Um, there are gonna be some people um, in this group of people that remember it, right? That were kids or young adults 
whenever they were taken away. And so they'll remember um, the temple. They remember uh, the homes that they lived in. They remember Jerusalem. Uh, they remember this place in which they grew up in. Uh, but then the bulk of the people, right, their children and then their grandchildren um, will have no memory. They never were in Jerusalem. They never um, were born there. They were born in exile. Um, and so they are now getting to go back to the land of their ancestors and help to start to rebuild this nation back under God. And with that comes all these kinds of problems. There's a number of prophets that we're gonna look, like, look at in this post-exile time, and Haggai um, is one of them. Um, the, the framework of the book is kind of set up into four parts. Again, it's only two chapters long. So this is a, is a really short book. None of these books are very long. Um, our, we have some companion guides that are gonna be on the website. Uh, there's some in the back as you walk out that offer some more historical context and a reading plan. But you really could do, you know, your own reading plan. You could read the book every day. You could read the book every day. It's two chapters. Uh, or you could read a chapter every other day. I know, whatever you wanna do. Um, and so the, the, the book is kind of structured into these four parts. And I wanna walk through it and then we'll kind of focus in on one of the parts this morning. Uh, we, we got this outline um, from the Bible Project, which is a really cool website, if you've never seen it, um, that has taken all, almost all the books of the Bible now, I think, um, and done animated shorts. Um, and so what they do is they have, you know, kind of the stick figure drawings as they kind of talk, um, and then they give an overview of it. And then at the end of it, you have a cool little, like, map of that book. Um, they're really, really helpful um, specifically for these minor prophets because they're so short and there's so much history packed into them and such larger context. So this is their outline. There's so many different ways, of course, when you look at a book to like, like list out its structure. Uh, we on our handout did three. The Bible Project does four. Uh, but I kind of like the Bible Projects more um, than the one that we came up with. But um, so the first part is this, uh, is verses one through 15. And it's this accusation and this response. And one of the things that we're gonna be studying through this Lenten season and why we really kind of anchored uh, the prophets in Lent is that throughout it, there's this constant refrain um, in the prophets of a call towards repentance. And really, one of the major themes in Lent is exactly that. It's this, it's this call to repentance in our life. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of really asking hard questions about our lives, about who it is that we are and what are our priorities. Um, and the prophets are a great companion in that work um, because so many of the themes that show up in these books are themes that are absolutely worth exploring um, in our modern day lives as well. Uh, and so again, when I'm, I'm, when I'm sharing this overview, uh, hear these words that are being spoken to the ancient people. Um, hear the things that they were doing and the way that God was calling them to be convicted, but also be open to the way in which these exact same words are being spoken to us today as well. And so in these first 15 verses, what's going on is they've gotten back uh, to um, Jerusalem and they're starting to rebuild the city. Uh, and what is beginning to happen is that the, tem the temple lays in ruins, but instead of working on God's house, everyone is investing all of their time and all of their energy into their own homes, right? And it's not just like they've gotten their home in order, like they've done that, but now they're like, 
making it look nicer. They're like, you know, doing the kitchen redecoration that they've always kind of wanted, you know, like it's kind of upgrade to like some wood floors, you know, like it's, it's, it's they're spending lavish amount on their own homes while they haven't even begun to do the work of rebuilding the temple in their community. And again, the temple was this central thing um, in ancient Israel, right? It was the place in which God dwelt. It was the place in which they offered sacrifice. It was the place in which they engaged um, in doing business with God. And so in this place in which they kind of are saying like, yes, it has religious significance, they're spending none of their time, none of their energy, none of their resources. Uh, So one of the verses that Haggai says is, in verse four it says, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your panel houses while this house, being the temple, lies in ruin? Again, he'll go on and continue to kind of reprimand for them in the midst of this, but this is what's taking place, a a misprioritization um, of their financial resources, of their time, of their energy, of what it is that they see um, as the most important. Then in the next part, um, they are gonna enter into um, kind of then this addressing the, the scattered, the shattered expectations. And so this is the one that I resonate with, and I think my Lego example fits in just beautifully here, is that uh, they, they feel this rebuke, right? They, they hear it and they think to themselves like, yeah, we are spending a misoriented amount of time on our own houses. We really should start rebuilding the temple. Um, And so then they start working on the temple. They start laying out the footprint. They start collecting the materials. And it becomes readily apparent um, very, very, very quickly uh, is that whatever this remnant of a remnant is about to do, right? These people that were once in exile, uh, that has never kind of known this land, that have been sent back to kind of reclaim it, that they're very much pioneers, um, that they're rebuilding now, it becomes readily apparent that they're not going to be able to rebuild the temple um, to the glory that it was when it was destroyed. And it was destroyed right in 587, um, but it was really built um, during King Solomon's time, David's son, um, at the height of Israel's power when they were when Solomon ruled over a united kingdom, when trade was a massive thoroughfare, when they were collecting all kinds of taxes, all kinds of levies, um, all kinds of resources at his disposal, and he built this magnificent temple um, to God, right? And then um, uh, it's now this group of scattered people that have been collected back together, and they realize to themselves, like, we're not gonna be able to do what Israel was able to do at the height of their power, at the height of their kingdom, right? Like, we're just a small group of people now that just occupy this smaller section of Israel. Um, And so very quickly, they have this kind of shattering of expectation, and it kind of stalls them out that they have no energy for it, they have no excitement for it. Um, Again, this resonates when it comes to the Lego thing because you're like, I don't even have the core piece. Why why build? Like if I don't have the cupcake for Gabby's clubhouse, like Clara, why are we gonna build the kitchen? What are we gonna even make? You know, like we're gonna have an empty kitchen, you know, like we gotta find the cupcake or we're not doing this, you know? And this is kind of what, that they were thinking. They were like, we don't even have like the lumber we need. We don't even have the resources we need. Like why would we even begin? And so again, uh, Haggai's gonna speak this prophetic word over them. He says, who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage of Zerubbabel, says the Lord, take courage, O Joshua, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. 
And so the message that Haggai speaks over them is that God is painfully aware of the resources that they are that are made available to them. That God is absolutely present with them in their current circumstance. And the word that Haggai speaks to them is that in the midst of your current circumstance, not some kind of fictitious reality that you're living in where you're just so focused on what it is that you don't have, God is saying, I want you to focus on exactly what it is that you do have, and it's gonna be from this place, from the resources that are available to you that we're going to continue to build. So this is the second kind of the movement. The third part um, is then uh, this, this, this ideology or this work around this idea of covenant faithfulness. That he's gonna say like, okay, you, you're making your priorities right. You're beginning to engage in the work and yet your hearts aren't in it. Um, that he's gonna then, uh, and he says, and more than that, your lives really aren't a reflection of it. And he gives this example that makes sense to them in their time around their cleanliness laws. And he says that if somebody touches something that's unclean and then they touch some food, does it make the food unclean? And the answer, and every, even every young Hebrew boy or girl would have known this, the answer is yes, it would have. Um, and so then Haggai is saying, so then what does that mean if our lives are unclean and we are the ones building the temple? And it's this invitation for them to slow down, to reflect, and to ask the question of, does the ends really justify the means, um, or is God just as concerned about the journey as he is the destination? And what we see over and over and over again is that God is just as concerned about the state of our hearts, the state of our lives, as that God is concerned about the patterns of our behavior. Uh, And so what God wants is for these people to have this covenant faithfulness, that their lives would be a reflection of the temple that God has called them to build. Um, And so this, again, is kind of this, he's calling them to slow down. In verse 15, he says, "Uh, but now consider what will come to pass from this day on. He's saying, slow down. Before a stone was placed upon a stone in the Lord's temple. He's saying, slow down. Before we place another stone, let's slow down and ask the question of, what does this mean for us? And how can our lives be a reflection of the place in which we're building? And I, I just see so much in the midst of this, a forecursor of what it is that we have experienced in Christ. Where over and over again, the Apostle Paul writes that we are God's living temple. That already, um, you know, 2,500 years ago, they're asking this question of how are their lives, how, are, how is their, the life of who they're created to be um, a reflection and connected uh, to the very temple of God. And we know the answer ultimately is that our own lives, our own bodies, the, the, the people that we are now are going to be um, the place in which God's spirit will continue to dwell. And then it ends kind of in this kind of short little refrain in verses 20 through 20. 23, and it kind of is future-oriented. It, it draws back upon, and the, pick, the verse I picked to kind of point to it, it draws back on their history of Moses leading them out of the Red Sea, and as Pharaoh's army kind of chases after him, he washes away the chariots and those that are driving. You'll hear that imagery in here. Um, so let me read the verse, and I'll talk about it. It says, and to overthrow the thrones of the kingdom. He's, he's future-oriented. He's, this is this promise, this, this prophetic word that they end the book on. And it says, and to overthrow the kingdom's I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and their riders shall fall, everyone by the sword of a comrade, right? And, and I think what's happening here are there's these themes that when they were a people in slavery in Egypt, they were led through the Red Sea and it's then 
that gonna be that trajectory that leads them to be ultimately a new nation, right? That that's gonna be through Moses and through the, the wilderness uh, and then through the time of the judges and then ultimately David's gonna reign and rule and offer this new kingdom to them, right? And Haggai, I think, is ending his book saying that like those early ancestors that were led through the Red Sea, like those early ancestors that were freed from Egypt and slavery and sin, we too now have been freed um, from being in exile and we've returned home. And God is going to do a great work in us like God once did in our ancestors as well. And so it's this prophetic word that is future-oriented of the glory that God is going to do. And it kind of leaves it on a cliff. It kind of leaves it with this uncertainty of, okay, we're rebuilding the temple. We're engaged in this work. Um, and there's this promise of this future glory if we continue in this direction. And it kind of leaves it there in the midst of all of it. Um, and so this is kind of the framework, right? It's post-exile. These are kind of the major theme that shows up throughout the book of Haggai. So as you're looking at it, you're like, okay, it's two chapters. There's so much jam-packed into this. It's this accusation. It's these responses. It's this addressing these shattered expectations. It's a call to covenant faithfulness. It's a future hope of God's kingdom. Um, and this is what's going on in the midst of it. And so as we're looking at it today, right, as a community that lives in Katy and Fulcher, um, there's so many themes that we could focus on um, in this little tiny book, right? There's so many themes that we could focus on around our own kind of uh, focus on priorities of the way in which God has called us to structure and order our lives, but the way in which we spend our time and our energy and our finances. Is it on our own houses um, or do we prioritize the house of God? Um, or this idea of covenant faithfulness, of how are we ordering our lives to be a reflection to the work that God has called us to. But as I was looking at the book this week, um, what I kept coming back to uh, was this idea kind of in the middle parts, um, in verses two, one through nine, of addressing these shattered expectations. Uh, it ends in, with this in verse nine, it says this, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. And I, and I really just love this idea because like this, this imagery, Mark, if you wanna go ahead and put it back up there, of these just jumbled Lego pieces, right? Uh, it's just, it just stays on my mind, right? Because so often as we kind of engage our lives, as we engage um, in kind of our weekly or monthly or yearly behaviors, uh, so often we, we kind of, I think I know, I look at it, I'm like, man, I just have this and I get so fixated on what I don't have, right? I get so fixated on the piece that I really want access to that if I just had that, then it would really open up um, everything that I just know my life was supposed to be. And yet the book of Haggai is this reminder and this invitation for us in this Lenten season um, to be just, just, just I, maybe it's painfully aware of the resources we actually have of being willing to take stock of what it is that is actually in front of us. And maybe that's our energy, maybe that's our time, maybe that's our financial resources, and honestly, it's probably all of the above, um, of saying like, man, yeah, I wish uh, you know, this sickness wasn't in my house, or I wish uh, that this thing hadn't happened in my job, or man, I wish like, uh, this person wasn't my boss, or I wish you know, like, that this thing wasn't going on in my kid's life, right? Like, and, and, and there's place for prayer for that and there's place to engage in that. I'm not saying not to do any of that. I'm, I think that's good and holy and righteous work. 
But what I'm saying is I think that there's an invitation in this Lenten season as we kind of walk through it is to just to repent from the things where we get caught up in these fantasy lives that we wanna live, of thinking to ourselves, man, if I just had that, then I would be able to do what God has called me to. Um, when God this entire time is saying like, yeah, but I, I do know what you do have. I know all the pieces that are present in your life. I know what it is that is going on and together, we can create something that will bring greater glory than you could ever have imagined, even if you had that resource that you think you absolutely need. And so as you walk through this season, would you just kind of be open um, to taking stock of, of where you are in your life, of being honest and saying, Lord, that these are the pieces that are available to me, and then would you be open to the magnificent movement of the Spirit as God wants to partner with you in creative, empowering ways to bring about an order and a structure to your life where it's not gonna look like the temple where you think it should look like, but a temple that will be bring even greater glory to God because of the work that you're doing. I think this is doubly true for us as a church community. That it's so easy, I think, um, as a second campus out in kind of a new area for us to think to ourselves, man, if we had access to this resource or if we had access to this thing or that thing, um, how much more ministry could we do? Um, when all along God is saying, right, yeah, you have access to this resource. You have access to this facility. You have access to these partnerships in this community. You have access to these people. Look, this guy's your pastor, you know? Like, this is where we're at on some of this stuff. Um, and in it, what I wanna invite us to as a community is saying like, okay, if this is true, if this is what we have access to, then what is it that God wants to do in and through us? And what is it that God wants us to build in creative, empowering ways so that we might bring even greater glory uh, to Katie and Fulcher in such a way that the entire world would be connected to God's love. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, I thank you so much for these people that are gathered here. Um, and I give you praise um, for whatever building blocks are in their life. Um, I give you praise for the resources that they do have. Uh, and I give you praise for the way in which I know you wanna meet them exactly where they are today uh, to bring about something uh, that we can't imagine without you, that we can't do without your strength, that we can't do without your creativity. And so would we be just, just so open um, to the way in which you desire to work in our actual lives? And would you help us to repent from getting caught up into the fantasy lives that we so often try to live? As in your son's holy and blessed name I pray, amen.